0: Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA National Team. With all that said, let's get on with the show.
1: And we're live. Welcome to your Full of Dirt. Uh, we come to you every Monday night um, to bring you the low down, the high down, the hoedown, pretty much every down that they have System in uh, Major League Rugby. System of a down. Huh. There's another one. <laughs> uh, we have but, systems
2: uh, of down.
1: <laughs> so uh, if you're here to talk about the MLR Izzle, uh, we are here. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at the Strobro got liam poach uh, at poach rugby and craig Gradelli at american rfc all on twitter um they both have uh, they both have instagrams um uh you know if you like puppies or or babies uh you can you know check those out my puppy
3: has its own instagram actually does it really yep at lucy mcnugget if you guys want to follow (laughs) a very cute little bulldog
2: what? Well, if well, if you'd like to follow me, um, I can't even remember what my Instagram name is. I don't go on it that often anymore. I also have a cute little bulldog. Um, I think it's know,
3: yeah, What the hell am I? Hey,
2: what
3: are you doing with your life, Aaron? Where's your bulldog? Uh, yeah, you trying, to get, trying to trying Bull- to get bulldog. Bulldogs are like your a house. cult.
2: You don't understand. It. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying a lot. There we go. Poacher underscore fifteen. There I am on Instagram. Yeah, you you can tell that that platform is my specialty. Anyway, rugby,
3: rugby. Aaron, are you are you ashamed of being a Western oriented person with how the East is beating up on the West every day? Uh,
1: I'm a neutral. Don't you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. It's like how, how does how do people not understand? Oh, no. Maybe maybe give me.
2: Yeah, here's the thing. Aaron, you're neutral the same way I pick potato every (laughs) Every week. This is important. (laughs) And we lost Aaron. He's
3: moving to the east as we speak.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. He's packing up. I'm going to have a knock on my door at any point. Or maybe you will.
3: Uh, Maybe you will. I don't know. New England is the reigning uh, Cold War cup holder. So uh, I think in all fairness, he's got to head up to New England.
2: Yeah, I mean, Boston is just a better place to live when compared to New York. Let's face it. Mm. Yeah, hey, man, it's it's smaller but has way way better bar scene, way better women. Uh I listen, our public transit oh, might kill you. Um, it might catch on fire every now and again, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. Going, oh, and he and he's bringing in Rocky. Rocky Rocky is here on
1: the show tonight. Um <laughs>
3: Coolest, also potentially most horrifying mascot of all time.
1: <laughs> so he, he's here. Uh, he did arrive uh, before game time, so he did watch his his uh, puddle pup brethren get demolished. Um, it was a, it was a, he went like this, <laughs> it was a sad day. But thank you, Rocky the Sea Wolf, for sending a friend. Yeah, very cool, cool, Rocky. Thank you.
2: Thank you very uh, much, Rocky.
1: He joined Wally the Wallaby. Um, and rookie the eagle uh you know so i guess we have
3: uh to start sending you rubber chickens <coughs> <coughs> hey
1: so i i i on instagram i asked went to the post about scratch the uh eating fruit snacks, by the way um the saber cat those saber cats so i was like i asked some like i was talking to the saber cats fan on Saturday night on game night I was like do they sell minis and they thought they're like yeah I'll get you one want me to get you one and I sent her a photo of a rookie and and the next day it's like uh yeah I thought you meant mini rugby ball it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know shout out to Robin Davis for getting me uh, a. uh to rugby ball. I don't know what I'm gonna do with one of those, you
2: know. But uh if any of the Houston Sabercat brass is watching right now or listening, definitely if up, you have up your mini scratches a, on the way. Yeah, up your game in
1: terms of the mascot drop merchandise. It's all about and there's like the Raptors have a mascot. Where's their they when I was there in the summer for the Eagles test, they don't sell mini Rudy the Raptors, I think they're called. Because he just is the eagle with, like, uh, one of those eye masks on. You know? no, <laughs> pretty, I would say it's pretty well done. It, it's kind of frightening.
2: So of uh, I, I'm actually authorized to reveal that the Free Jack's mascot will, in fact, be Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. It, we're just going to have a baby dressed as Jack-Jack running around. Just, you know, like a toddler, two or three years old, running around causing havoc, much like the Jack-Jack does, and as toddlers tend to do in real life.
1: Fake, um... Fake Samoa's Keebler Keebler brand. If you guys want to sponsor the show,
2: if anybody wants to sponsor us, I cannot stress this enough. Oh. If you're just a guy and you want us to mention your name, send us money.
1: So, did you guys uh, watch rugby that wasn't MLR this weekend?
2: I did. I watched about uh, I watched probably three quarters of the England Ireland test. I watched a little bit of the Engl- England-Ireland game, uh, but unfortunately the stream on my phone uh, was just absolute crap and I was at work so I couldn't really afford to be looking down at my phone all that much because I'm a good employee.
3: Yeah, I've, I've been completely defeated by technology this weekend. It seemed like everything I tried to watch that was not ESPN Plus was impossible. i
2: worked right. fine, fine for me. I know there were some complaints across the board. but It
1: took me a long time to get the Rooney, the Rugby United New York Roosters versus the Rattlesnecks.
2: Snacks. Um, uh,
1: and on my phone, on ESPN Plus, for whatever reason, wherever I was in at Phoenix Municipal Field while I was watching baseball, just wasn't loading, even though I had five bars. You know? Like, come on. Uh, but I did see some cool stuff, like that Xander Van Schalk would try in the corner um, from Sean Coglund.
3: Hmm. Did
1: and you see the uh, O'Keefe try from Dylan Fawcett chip kick? That was also cool. Um, Dylan Fawcett out there with skills um, doing things that us, you know, semi amateur, I would say semi amateur, not semi professional, but semi amateur, as in we don't do I. I I don't play rugby regularly r- right now anymore, um, and uh, but I I I can barely catch the ball. Okay, it's like I I can do a lot of quick carries around the ruck, do some good ruck rivals tackle. I really you know, know. If, if you try to pass that ball, like what was a good pass this weekend? Savanaka Vassal against um. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i want Ryberg to run me over i reckon
1: i hope i said that right um yeah uh, i i figure that would be lo- ryberg running anyone over which happens in mlr often um would feel like a semi-truck um rolling over you. That's what I sort of feel like when I see him churn his legs. Uh, So yeah. um, Yeah. Scott, I have seen Patty Ryan chip kick. That was, it was strange because I, it didn't look the same as Dylan's. uh, I'll be honest. Um, I know that he can do it because I've seen it happen multiple times, but it, it just doesn't look, it doesn't seem normal. Whereas when Fawcett does it, it's like, why are why do you have that skill? How are you able to do that? Um, but yeah, some so people that,
2: are just born with a rugby ball in their hands, man, or off their foot. I guess you should say
1: they got a they got one of those binkies instead of a, like a handle to pull on. It's a rugby ball on the on
2: the <laughs> other side. Well, it, uh, it's it's long enough that it goes down to the foot. They just dribble in there in the in the crib or in the the <laughs> Moses basket, whatever you call it. Yeah,
1: so it was. I mean, it was a it was a pretty good weekend in Major League Rugby. We're seeing still that uh, that, that things are different. Uh, we're seeing players get bedded in at, at a different position. Uh, we didn't really get to see that much of the beast this week. Uh, I watched I watched two prem games. I watched all three Six Nations games and all six. Uh, MLR games. Which, um, it's a lot of of rugby. Um, I have a um, as Wayne Barnes' wife, Polly said, "I'm a rugby widow." Um, <laughs> so I'm like a baseball widower because it's baseball. Well, it's college baseball season, and we have season tickets, and she goes to watch uh, ASU, and I and she's a she's a rugby widow. I. Taking a lot of rugby, and she goes to the baseball games. It, it, it tends to work out. She actually likes rugby. We go to rugby events and stuff. I know this is a relationship podcast, but I'm just pointing that out. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting weekend overall. Uh, if you guys don't mind, you want to get into this because it gets fun. Let's
2: I mean, it. I guess we can talk about MLR now. You know, I <laughs> I really wanted to talk more about about you and your girlfriend's uh, relationship. <laughs> you know subtleties, but anyway, Caleb, anyway when I heard that <laughs> Nolan Gold took on Colorado.
1: I'm a widow of this, widower then. I mean, Craig, your wife is also in sort of that that realm. She likes going to these events that we go to, but doesn't go to all of them. Yep, she's like, She's over here
3: in the background looking at me, Jackie. Hi, Hi Jackie. Uh,
2: <laughs> the principal. <sighs> So. All right, so Nola Goal versus Colorado, what did you guys think?
1: Uh, I mean, it started about right, you know. Uh, the tempo from New Orleans, they got up 14-0 to zero by uh, Dominguez, Julian Dominguez-Widmer. Uh, you had Carl Meyer uh, act from fullback acting as their main kicker with, uh, you know, who – I mean, who are they missing? I mean, J.P. Loft, I think J.P. Loft's actually fit and he's going to be ready this week. So, uh, you know, if he's available, he's available for selection. So that should change some things. Um, Nick Feeks is also available this week for selection. So, uh, people are getting healthy and things are getting signed and, you know, guys are able to play, but it was another player
2: I- there is another player available for USA selection now I'll talk about later in the show I'm excited about this one
1: um so yeah I, I saw what I wanted to see out of New Orleans very early and then Colorado kind of woke up in a lot of ways that we hadn't really seen from them this year and they weren't able to they weren't able to do enough
3: yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think this was Colorado's best game of the year, even though they lost. But um, they did put up a lot of fight uh, when it looked like Noah might run away with it. And it's been a tough year for uh, for the West and for Colorado and Seattle. And, uh, you know, I think it's good that there's parity and that teams could go from being the best in the league to, you know, towards the bottom of the table within a couple of years' time frame. But I also don't want to see it I don't want another 0-15 or
2: 0-16 season. Um, I don't see that coming from Colorado. Well, though. there's yeah, only Nevada. two
1: teams. There's only two teams that could go 0-16 right now. And they were the season championship. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
2: yeah, not Austin. That That's very, very true. Not Austin. They're not,
1: Austin's <laughs> not in last place. Uh,
3: <laughs>
1: Dude, I, do they have more points right now? Well, not points scored, but more table points right not, now than yeah. they did all last
2: season. Oh, I, There's I, I, I did notice this the other day though that MLR doesn't have any past schedules on the website, which I really Yeah, really I go to like.
1: Wikipedia.
3: They hide their yeah. tracks well.
2: <laughs> go to Wikipedia. Yeah. Sorry. That's it's, but, I mean, uh, it's a great resource. It's very Definitely. Strange. But um honestly like you guys said, I thought it was a good performance by Nola. Uh they didn't exactly run over Colorado, but they definitely uh I thought they controlled the pace, I guess you could say when it counted. Um, because when you look at the numbers on offense, Colorado actually splits it with NOLA in terms of total possession advantage uh, with 50% going either way. Uh, meanwhile, the territory rating was at a full 10% higher for NOLA uh, compared to, fi- or, or sorry, a whole uh, 10% higher for Colorado compared to just 45% from NOLA. So Colorado, Colorado was actually operating their offense, I don't want to say efficiently because they weren't putting up as many points, but they were operating it semi-effectively between the 22s. Um, you know, but unfortunately, pl- uh even with the territory rating, um, you know, and especially with the uh GLO rating of 78%, it's just too bad they weren't taking advantage of those opportunities of, of that, like the, those spurts of effectiveness that they were having on offense. Uh like when you keep going down the list, the stacks seem to uh they, they stack up pretty evenly in a bunch of different metrics too, uh including 10 penalties apiece, similar in total meter meters, similar in uh you know average meters per pass. Uh the difference though, obviously. Finishing out drives, like I said, capitalizing on scoring opportunities. Uh, a lot of Nola's points. They came, you know, they, they came following infringements by the Raptors. Are, uh, yeah, by the Raptors in their own territory. Which, despite the lineout not being the best facet of this attack, uh, was just enough for guys like Eric Howard uh, to, uh, you know, on the inside to mink is a on the outside to find some space and actually score. Um, and that's where Colorado had a lot of trouble on defense, was just kind of containing uh, Nola once they got the motor going in the back row. Um, you know, kind of getting into the faster guys out there on the offense.
1: You look at this one, and if I just threw the stats up against the wall, it's very similar, and mostly in favor of Colorado. Colorado had, you know, one more penalty uh, than, or the than Nola, and they had a lineout steal. In fact, their set piece was just a smidge better. Uh, even though, honestly, it looked uh, Nola's looked better. But statistically speaking, they they were very the, much the same, uh, and in fact, you saw a lot of good things from them, especially uh, with Nick Boyer, who's starting to like round back into that form that got him selected for the Eagles. And they they play they're, they're trying to play just as fast as they played last year, and when they played fast last year, it, it didn't really help them. And, you know, you just look at the the overall turnover rate. I mean, they had 13 turnovers conceded, and I, I don't think the amount of turnovers conceded was based on the tempo that Noah wanted to run. But overall, I mean, just like another team this weekend, uh, Colorado improved again. So they're probably – like you could probably pick out two to three wins easy on this schedule. There probably is – if, if things go the way they're going, they, they may, you know, win six games. Uh, I, I submit here and or there because they're 0 3 with Seattle. Um, but it they are they are starting to come together. Uh, Nola, uh, you know, a good game back for Holden Younger. He actually, I thought he marshaled that offense pretty well. Uh, this game would have been a tad different if he. If he didn't commit a professional foul and get a yellow card,
3: yeah, and that was a stupid professional foul too. If you guys didn't see it, he was uh, lying on the deck, and and um, Colorado tried to quick tap, and he just blatantly reached up and smacked the ball out of their hands. Uh, so I mean, stupid penalty. You know, I like his general chippy attitude, and I I think that's a good attitude to have in a scrum half. But certain stuff like that is dumb, you should cut that out.
1: Outside of that, that was the only – I mean, overall, I mean, if you look at the nines in this league, most of them are pretty chippy. Uh, If you guys remember the toad, Connor Murphy.
2: uh, (laughs) Oh, I I remember the toad. I I spent a whole year year working alongside him.
1: uh, You know, and – but overall, I thought it was a good game for him. uh, In general, coming back from a head knock because he was – He suffered a concussion in their first game and was pulled pretty early. Uh, And so he went through the concussion protocol and returned to play and, you know, and got the start this week. So, like I said, uh, New Orleans gets back two players this week. Nick Feast is available, and so is J.P. Eloff. So he needs some players. Yeah, you know, um, two former Player of the Weeks uh, right there. Um, One from Season 1 and... One from season two. So, <laughs> uh, uh, well, game two, the orange people. The draws are back. Uh, the orange people versus the the come out to players. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know.
2: I, the, I, ju- shout, the, out, the shout out the uh,
1: Shout out to the Gilgronies. The uh, organization, they're really starting to move, step this stuff up. If you haven't checked out Instagram, go to the Gronies Instagram account. Uh, if you don't want to like put the boots on and try and tr- get a contract right now so that you can get a Gilgronis jacket, you know, you're, you're wrong. Um, those look pretty fly, I have to say.
2: So have we found out what's in a Gilgroni yet? Because I, I heard it's like a gin drink or something along those well, lines.
1: Well, the but- Negroni has
2: gin, right?
1: But it's they said Texas. So if we're going to take the Texas theme, I'm putting extra Anejo tequila in that sucker.
3: I think it's just going to be just a, a, a Negroni. That's what like a, do Texas. You know, a, a
2: Jack in the box burger, kind of like, you know, like it's a bloody Mary or something on a stick, stick it right in there. That's the most <laughs> Texas thing I can think
3: of. Potentially a fried Negroni somehow, because they're pretty good at frying things. I don't know if you remember Kalashis. the Texas there, but in
2: there,
3: fried
1: ice cream, fried butter. I don't know how they do it, but they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what's in a Negroni, but I know that things are looking good. Also, Man, they've torn up the old Austin Herd, Austin Elite headquarters, and they've turned it. They're laying down new flooring and everything. Uh, they've brought in new equipment. It's, you know, a couple hundred grand worth of stuff, maybe even a million dollars. It's a lot of stuff. I, I saw like eight watt, eight or nine watt bikes, you know. Uh, and then tons of weights. So they're reshaping the old headquarters into a performance center. And eventually they're probably going to put a performance center somewhere near Coda on some land that can be developed. And then you'll have, you know, a north and a south, one for youth or both for youth, really. And, you know, one for the team. So
2: I think the big question is, though, does refurbishing the office count against the salary cap? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, apparently adding all these players doesn't appear to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they... Well, they haven't showed up
3: yet. If, joke,
2: joke.
1: Their, if you actually look at the, who they have, I think they had some money. I mean, for if if you put one of these guys on a 45 on a max contract, which is $45,000. It's not.
2: Oh, so, um, sorry to interrupt. Shots fired. Mr. Corey Munson saying here on Facebook, Texas Kala- tex- no, okay. are not real. kalashis Okay. Where did you fight no, 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 no. me? Corey, is where a did
1: you get a Kalachi? Where, where in, where in Texas did you get this Kalachi? Because we will have fighting words. because I had real, there are two places on the highway uh, coming south from dallas through waco to austin that you get real czech
2: kolaches listen man here's the thing you Are have never guys? been in heaven until you've been hung over at a shipley's and just bitten into a cheap crappy kolache because so, no matter how cheap you know, and crappy and it is it's delicious in that moment
1: talk about kolaches you gotta go to kolache king czech stop in west texas West Texas is a city, not the region of Western Texas. You gotta go to check stop. So,
2: I, I so just because Craig looks a little confused, and some of our listeners and viewers might be a little bit confused. A kolache is basically like a like, like a like a dinner roll or like you know slightly larger than a dinner roll, stuffed with deliciousness. You could it can be like you know stuffed with chicken parm, like oh, chicken broccoli alfredo, that, like oh, sausage and cheese. Else.
1: That is actually not a Kalachi. That is called something else. there um, we go.
2: It's a Kalachi in Houston, baby. these are a fruit pastry.
1: Now, those are also Czech. Yes, those are also Czech stuff, but I don't know which
2: one they are. Um, but it... I, 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 I think you're... I, I think you're out of your element, man. I've, oh, I, I... No, I'm in my element.
1: I go to Texas a couple times a year. I know the spot. There's two places. There's Slovacek's Deli, which is across the street from, uh, check stop, and these are man, uh, you know, these are good. You'll love them. I, uh, how does Craig not know where the, where West Texas is on his trips to Austin? I don't know like, West Texas. I just never heard of a kolache. You're at Fort Hood and don't know what a kolache is. Nope. Shame, dude. Shame. They- but back to the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Gilgrottis played a really good game, uh, especially uh with the, what they were doing. Uh you they gave you hope. Uh not I mean Tori Alba was pretty good. Uh even I know that uh Zinze and Alon has gotten some stick uh because he's mostly a fullback, but I think he's acquitted himself pretty well uh yeah. over the season at the, In- at the position. You know, I and don't was, care
3: why people are, are down on him. I think he's doing everything for that team. I think he's looked very good.
1: Yeah. Uh but the, the biggest thing for them, man, turnovers and penalties. They had they had a ton of turnovers. They had way more penalties and more penalties. Uh what was it? Uh, eight more penalties than than Utah. But guess what, man? They had a hundred percent scrum rate.
2: Yeah. Well they set pieces. Set piece is king in Major League Rugby. We've been seeing that especially this year.
1: Except their line for- out was awful, though. No, their line out was pretty yeah. bad. They just they were in a position to where they could have capitalized in the second half, but they just let they got in their own head a little bit and they just let the the Warriors come back. But guess what? You know, um it wasn't enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually personally didn't even catch this game. I had, I chose instead to watch the SaberCat game. But fun fact, thanks to Facebook Memories, I actually found out that Utah a year ago yesterday played to another draw last season with the Glendale, with the then Glendale Raptors at twenty six all. So I, I guess there's something to do with the moon and the position of the planets or the stars or just you know the ghost of mediocrity you. past coming through. Uh, but yeah. That that that's that that's a fun fact there. Uh, anyway, just some basic numbers for this game t- uh, to give you guys. Austin actually, um, you know, a- as Aaron implied, um, Austin actually outgained Utah by almost 200 meters, 199 to be exact. Uh, on the way to that, they man- they managed a pretty respectable MPP of about uh, that's meters per pass of 5.1, while Utah came in with a pretty paltry 4.8. Uh, you know, and like they were saying around around the internet and uh, with Aaron and Craig, you know, Austin, they seem to kind of give away a lot of opportunities in this game. And the numbers actually back that up. 16 penalties for Austin uh, compared to just nine from Utah. Aaron mentioned that again. Uh, while the Warriors had two steals in the lineout, uh, compared to just one for Austin out of the breakdown. So, despite the many revamps of Austin's roster, even since uh, week one, there's going to be some. There's going to be, need to be some drastic uptick in terms of how this offense moves and actually capitalizes on opportunities, yeah. and, and, and and how they don't afford the other team opportunities as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's also just. You know, nature of the beast when you do have so many changes so quickly right before the season starts. This is going to take a little time to integrate, and they still haven't gotten uh, Adam Ashley Cooper or Kurt Morath. Though, like I said, I think Elon is doing great at at fly half, Um, but I'm sure having both would be pretty good. So
1: I don't know about AAC coming in, but from what I understand, Morath should be here this week. Uh, his visa is approved. And so that's, well, he'll probably see some time off the bench. Uh, I I don't necessarily think he'll start, but, you know, it it is what it is there. But still, like, one of the things that you find difficulty, especially up front in the front row, is when a a new prop comes in. And we didn't really see that uh, the first week when the Beast came in, but uh, you know, he only played uh forty minutes this week, but for in this game, uh Jamie McIntosh, uh, I guess he you know, he was trying to get I don't know if he was trying to get away with something or if he's just he was just that much better and you know, he wasn't able to do some things and, and he conceded a yellow. Uh you know, 15 minutes into the game, which probably hurt, I would say hurt them quite a while, but it's kind of interesting when you can put two international prop, when you have an international prop, uh, you pull them off the bench to, you know, replace Jamie McIntosh. And that was Juan inch Who's actually normally a tight head, but he's been playing loose head pretty well for the good in reserve.
3: Yep.
1: Well, yeah, I I think they're, I think that Austin's it's it's coming together.
3: It's coming together for them. I I think it's good to see out. I'm going to, I'll, Go on the record here. I do not think Austin ends this year in last place.
2: I, I definitely agree on that, but at the same time I don't I, I see their win cap not really going past five or six games, like if that.
1: Yeah. No, I, I put the I put the, the over under well what did we say? Over under was for them at the beginning of the season was two and a half. I think they're they'll they'll go over.
2: I mean two games will be two hundred percent more games than they won last year, so I like those numbers. I mean, is that draw? Is that like 50% more wins than they had last season? I don't know. Craig, you're good at math, I think. Not a,
3: you can't calculate a percentage over zero, but I can, we yeah. got to do that. <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, we got some stuff going on about the Go-Gronies on the sidebar. Uh, you know, our man C2 says, hey. A, a night smashing Gilgronis in in Austin is a great night. Uh Frank Halai uh off the bench, as Doug Coyle says, for uh the Gilgronies was electric. I
2: man, he might be starting this week at center. We'll see. He the one play. the one cap all black who actually scored in his one appearance for the for the all blacks, which so. that, that's gotta feel great.
3: I think Mo Abdulmonum is is a strong player there too. I don't know why he wasn't starting earlier in the year, but I think him in the starting I, lineup adds some- – I mean,
1: I, um, didn't he start the first game? So the fact that he – He never to the- didn't start week two. I can't remember week yeah, one. Yeah, he didn't start week two. So that, that's not really a big deal to me because you're trying – one of the things you do have to manage <clears throat> is the ma- match time of your frontline players, and we'll sort of talk about use rate and match time in a different game <laughs> uh, for a different player that we sort of talked about before the show and our meeting. Um, but, uh, to move forward, uh, what, what are we, uh, what is our next game? You know, uh, the, the OGs
2: start OG two DC. They, they start two and one. Wow. Yeah. As, after that first wow. game, I, everybody was expecting the house to be burning down. It, it, they expected it to be, to be the first white house there in DC <laughs> completely burnt down, you know, down. To, down to the foundation, Hey, Start again next time, build they it up better. From, but no, they
3: jumped from the War of 1812 to World War One real quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, they really in this game they gave up a lot of penalties. Look at, in fact, both teams gave up a ton of penalties. Uh, the when it came to the scrum, the the tight the tight head for this team is. He is—he's twenty-two years old. He's—he's ha- he's struggling, man. He's play- facing off against some, you know, loosehead props that have been pros for a while. But just—just look—just bear with me. Uh, free kick conceded for not taking the hit. Uh, sc- collapsing the scrum. Wheeling the scrum. Scrum collapsing. Uh, yeah. So he had four. Scrum penalties by himself. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, that's a problem. So he just
2: props to the prop, you could say.
1: You know, it's like I guess after, um, you know I I, saw, I I engaged Brian Ray, but he was like, today, you know, what what if a, a team can do without having a scrum? But then I look at the sheet, and I mean, they won eighty percent of their scrums. They won. 30, 33% more of their scrums than they, ha- than they won last week.
2: <laughs> they only won, they won 47% of their scrum. A, when it comes to a well, typical win rate in this league. Though.
1: In, in this league, yeah, you're looking to get – most of these guys are getting like
2: a – 85% above minimum. But yeah.
1: I, it was interesting. Um, was it – read an article yesterday from Nigel Owens. Apparently, at, for Tier 1 Nation's – uh, you know, 82% scrum rate is actually very good. And this was in – he was talking about the French and the English before a game that he was refing. Um, so, I mean, 80%, that's a huge improvement for them. Their line out is still kind of a mess. So, uh, yeah, if anything, you better. look at the sheets and outside of the meters gained because they were both pretty similar – Uh, if you, you look at this, you're wondering how did Houston lose?
2: Yeah, no, I was, I was going to go into a little bit of that. Um, it's, so so, let's see. So, so Houston 4.1 MPP. So that, so that's meters per pass. 464 total meters as Aaron alluded to, um, a GLO rating. So that's gain line over just barely cracked 70% compared, but that was that's compared to 84% from DC. So you also couple that with the fact, you know, 55% possession advantage, um, you know, mostly thanks to 19 total t- turnovers by DC. Yeah, it, it, that's infuriating to think that the Cats lost this game when you think of how many opportunities that is, just getting afforded to them by DC alone through penalties. 19 penalties is, is a freaking lot. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, but here's the difference. You, they both had a lot of penalties, but we saw this in this. We'll talk about this in the Seattle game from Saturday night. Is where you commit the penalties, and if they're kickable penalties, because what we saw was, I mean, Robertson, seventeen points. He didn't do a Sam Malcolm, which was twenty-four points. Well,
2: I was just going to say, like
1: five penalties, like you you well, when you don't score tries it's going to be a problem but if you get 5 chances to kick uh that's a lot like you're going to you're going to probably do all right
2: it's a lot but it, at the same time it is kind of funny to see Houston getting a taste of their own medicine in which you know DC wins the game not you know dis- despite a bevy of problems on the attack just by one guy being able to have a great night Know kicking from the tee, you know, so shout out to Mister Peterson and on that, on oh, sorry Robertson, not Peterson, <laughs> but uh,
3: I mean yeah. I I think that Robertson and Tuzatala, I mean obviously you everyone wants to look at a beast as you know who comes in here and makes a difference in Old Glory. And I'm sure he is making a difference psychologically and energy wise and and all the rest, but it's not. The prop play that looks like it's changing. I really feel like these last two weeks, Robertson and Tustala have played very well. Um,
1: I just think they're yeah, running a good. I think they're. I think they're bedded in together now that they're playing solid uh, opposition. Like they're playing really good opposition, and we we should have known that Danny Tustala was going to be good. I mean, Samoan International played a bunch of Mitre ten, a little bit of super. Uh, of course, he was going to be good, but just. There were some different expectations based on just – and you could say this with a lot of teams because we didn't have a lot of MLR versus MLR fixtures going on, so you didn't have tape in the preseason to get an idea. But overall, they have a pretty good roster, and if you're good at the hinge, specific, so that is your 8, your 9, and your 10, where the thing kind of does like this. You'll be pretty, you'll probably be pretty good, and that t- goes in also with the spine. If you're eight, they've got Jamison Fiana Schultz, they've got Danny Hughes Tala, they've got Jason Robertson. I mean, Jason Robertson is a lot like Sam Malcolm was last year as a find because both of them are very similar, they're both very undersized. Uh, fly halves, I, I think they're, I think Malcolm is like five, six, and uh. Robertson might be five seven. Yeah, it so is five not seven. Not prototypical size for fly halves, especially today. Um, and like you look at their quick ball rate uh, compared, to, they just had the ball in the right area of the pitch uh, to to get to force Houston co- to commit a kickable penalty, and it was just they did what they needed to do. Uh, it's hard to really say. Uh, they're doing anything better. I think if they get their, their scrum right and their their line out, right. They will be a very good team. And what we're seeing is the wet, the East is packed full of good teams. Yeah. I'm really excited for the first, uh, regular season rematch
3: of the Atlanta DC, pre- uh, preseason match. They had, That was one of the few MLR and MLR preseason fixtures, uh, that with with real season stakes, those are both teams are both playing really well. That's going to be exciting.
2: Liam, you're back. Yeah, yeah. Is back. Uh, <laughs> we're still talking about DC. Sorry, I had a. I, yeah, had a, we're a, not, I think we're my, my move dog on was to... making a whole host of noise, and I had to exit her from the room. Craig, as you know, Bulldogs can get very selfish when it comes to. Wanting things while you're doing that,
1: shit. that uh, attention. So we're going to move on to match four, uh, <laughs> which was, uh, uh, you know, there was a poll on the RML Rugby uh, accounts uh, on Twitter that said, which one was the worst beatdown of the weekend? Was it Tyson Fury over Deontay Wilder? <laughs> or Toronto Arrows over Seattle? And Seattle... Losing to Toronto was the worst beatdown of the weekend.
2: Yep, that's uh, me. You're probably wondering how I got here.
1: <laughs> this is pretty simple. I mean, I guess there. I saw a lot of questions, especially in the Seawolves group. If you want me to talk about the butchers bill that they have, I, I, can, I can go over at least like half of it uh, that I have off the top of my head, uh, Ross Neal is out. Um, honestly, he's a game changer. If you put him on at wing or at 13, he is a, he's a lock that runs. That is a center or wing type athlete, uh, losing him. I mean, he's the kind of guy you just put the ball in his hands and he'll probably make 50 meters before he gets tackled because someone the size of Brad Tucker will have to tackle him. So not having him, it's pretty bad. Uh, Rayno Elkstein, uh, showed up to I guess showed up to camp with a minor injury and then, uh, injured it a little bit worse when they started camp. So he's been out for a while. Although he was practicing this last week, so good for him. Uh, Harry Davies is out. I don't know, uh, you know, it, how lo- how much longer he's out. So that's a big one. They haven't really had an extra wing. That's why you're seeing the two, uh, the Tama Vaina twins, who I think will, are going to play a lot for Seattle. Uh, you know, it's like they are high level athletes. They played rugby growing up. Uh, they've just played a lot of football and they haven't really had the high level exposure in rugby. So I think, you know, once they get bedded in, they're going to be very helpful for Seattle. But so let me go. Ross Neal, Reno Elkstein, Harry Davies, Ben, Sima. ben Ben Benzema. Uh who up front somebody. Uh, you know, Stefan Kutsi, who was out uh, n- until this week was, was a problem. Uh, honestly, with if if they if he was healthy uh in the first two weeks you know, they would have challenged San Diego and they would have beaten Old Glory easily because their set piece wouldn't have been a mess. I think uh, Duratalo is nursing an injury right now. He played last week. He didn't play uh, this weekend. So I think it's a total of nine players that have injuries. I don't have all the names in front of me. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, but here's the thing. Uh, When somebody said this is like, you know, a lot of these players. I think outside of Tamai V Vn Vena, ugh, man, i I'm butchered that name. Um, outside of Tamai Vena Twins, uh, they, a lot of those guys started games last year. Like, there's a lot of starters that were on that roster, and they just did not. They just did not look good.
2: You want to talk to a Free Jacks fan about missing starters to injury right now? Because I can go on about
1: it. Oh, I mean, we're, we'll talk about that front row yeah. a little bit. But it, it, they. <sighs> what happened to the defense? I mean, what happened to the seawall? The seawall has been <laughs> breached.
3: I mean, global warming is having
2: an effect on the seawall. I I don't know know. what's
1: going on up there, but the defense is playing bad. It's playing disjointed. They're not Mm. rotating. Well, sort of what I saw, I saw like five minutes of the San Diego game. I saw the whole game, but there was like five minutes of that game. That kind of reminded me of the night before where Seattle just wasn't rotating well at all. Mm. Um, you know, on defense, they weren't recycling on defense and getting in place. And then when they were in place, they were committing kickable penalties. And, you know, Sam Malcolm went seven for seven and he didn't just kick easy kicks. He like, you know, did things that were, well, he's not supposed to do, uh, because he was doing like basically touchline kicks um, five meters out and stuff like that. It was, it was impressive to watch Sammy the boot. I think as he's going to be called now by Dan power, uh, what he did, uh, from the T and they, the, I guess the reason why they didn't go for the bonus point is they just, you know, could kick with impunity, um, on Saturday night and didn't really care. They're three, and zero. I, you know, having bonus points is going to matter, especially in the East, but, um, you know, they have their goals for the season, especially in their away trips. they I, I would bet that they get a bunch of bonus points at home. So it's not really gonna matter for them that much. Um but on attack, oof. uh it, it's just not they're just not playing well. Yeah, <laughs> they're not.
3: I think they need to no. back. I think they're missing Nakatini. Uh a lot. So I, I don't know. I, I, people have been saying on Twitter and I kind of agree this is obviously a hard thing to evaluate from the outside, but there seems to be a missing piece that they had these last two years. This, you know, this gutsy, you know, put your neck on the line for each other. Don't let anybody through type of uh like spirit to the way they were playing. And,
2: and right here, these first three weeks, I'm just not seeing it anymore. So, would you guys say, outside of record hatting, maybe, would you say anybody at this on the Seawolf squad is performing at an elite level still? Brad Tucker. Brad Tucker, maybe Matt Turner. Uh, Matt Turner's playing pretty well. I would Brad say. is
3: always pretty good.
2: Uh,. So there's pain? still yeah there, there's still pieces on this team that can be considered in the top tier of their position um you know in the league it's just kind of like you guys were saying like you know when when they're not rotating properly when they're not being an option for their teammates that's a problem within the system not so much within the players on the roster yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it,
1: you, you think head coach that's that's the sort you, of thing that gets solved if you look at this they've. Basically, had six head coaches with Mac Phil Mack having to be head coach twice for a little bit. Uh, you know, Tony Healy visa didn't get approved, then Phil Mac had to coach them, and then you had an assistant head coach and Brandon Sparks who came in, um, late in the season. Uh, in I like, guess not late in the season, late in the season for him, but that the season didn't start until April, so in May, so for more than half the season, Brandon Sparks was, uh, so, you know. Providing a lot of backfield support for that team with analysis and play gameplay development. And then they hired yo um Anton Moolman and his visa didn't get approved. And then uh then Phil Mack had to like implement uh while they were waiting for his visa, uh his, you know, distance coaching plans and then it didn't get approved. And then you had Richie Walker and now we're, you know, on the basically the sixth head coach. So yeah when you go system wise they're they're running through a bunch of different systems and it's a it's a culture um you know yeah it's but i mean gonna the first take
3: five time. of those coaches still led to two championships so mm-hmm.
2: also right. if, if you look at the numbers in this game too you know 581 meters about five meters per pass like that, that that's not exactly an offense that was not moving the ball, uh, you know, whatsoever. Um, again, it's just, it's, it's finishing drives with points. It's not committing infringements, you know. Like they're not, when they're not, yeah.
3: They're not capturing that momentum that you get as a team when things are clicking and, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, you're know, you rolling together and building.
2: It's just like. And, and meanwhile, that's very much Toronto at the moment. And that's especially Dan Moore.
1: Dan Moore, uh, the, uh, Eight
2: carries, sixty-two meters. Dan two Moore's tries.
1: Good. Uh, Taylor Adams had a good game, even without Mike Shepard to clean up the mess. They they just they did things that you expect them to do, and and overall, yes, with the Uruguayans, there they've increased the talent uh, beyond Lemos and, and Merez. Uh, You know, Manuel Diana is a great player for them. Uh, Tomás de la Vega, great player for them, but okay. it's. It, I look at Toronto and I just see a well drilled and well coached team. They've figured out the right guys to plug in at the right time somehow some way. this is Mark Winokur is a genius. And if I haven't spelled his you know praises out um, a bunch of times but he took basically a consistent culture from the Blues directly into major league rugby into the playoffs as the third seed uh with a brutal schedule with a brutal schedule and then he hired the right coach uh coaches they have a they have a full coaching staff so we're i think we're starting to see the one of the most stable organizations is probably gonna like in in the league is gonna end up you know, the one seed in the East. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to see. They're just well-drilled. They're well-coached. Uh, they play very much together. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what everyone else does. But they still it, have a pretty stuff. tough schedule this year too, though. Next, oh, yeah. It's, the next four weeks. It, or... it doesn't get any better yes. uh, at all. Uh, but it's like you wonder, you know, what, what they're going to do. Uh, Doug, that's hard to say. I'll be honest. Uh, I would say they're pretty even right now. Um, Doug Coyle asked, "Who do you think is better, uh, uh, San Diego or Toronto?" And, and the cool thing, is, like both these teams, have full coaching staffs, have lots back end support uh, away from the pitch, so uh, they're sort of leading the league in in structural support uh, yeah. over a consistent time frame, uh, but. Do you panic if you're a Seattle fan? I mean, it's three games and the West is a mess. Mm-hmm. So you have the talent to compete for a playoff spot. So, I, as long as
2: the one seed might so be bad they
1: team don't team have a bye this week. If there was a bye for them this week, they would have be able to take a break, clear their heads, and come back. Uh, but uh, looking at the – who man, who did they play? We're going to get into that um, later on in uh, – they play – The Liams. The Liams. So, ooh, man, that's a hard pick, honestly. It's, I know. This is a hard, hard week to pick. Uh, but, but so, yeah, it's, it's – I wouldn't PJ. panic, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, they start 1-4. And, yeah, losing another home game would be pretty – that would be pretty rough. But like I said mm-hmm. last year, they started rough too. They didn't start, they didn't go on a tear where they put on a string of games. Uh, they basically won one, lost one, won one, lost one for a while until sort of the end of the season.
2: Yeah. Um, They've been really tough. Put it, really put tough it, put it this up. way, though. Uh, wait until the Free Jack roster comes out before you go picking this game on Super Brew, I though.
3: Know. If only we oh. had that
2: luxury.
1: <laughs> you know, I. I the biggest thing that we're starting to see now is injury reports come out. Uh, the Toronto Arrows started. Uh, the New England Free Jacks have followed their northern brethren. And uh, it's an East Coast. It's an Eastern Conference thing because the NOLA Gold put their injury report out. Must be leading uh, to victories. Like. Apparently, you know just being you know fully transparent with what's going on uh has been has been the key here uh moving on to sunday's games this is where things got funky man um
2: yeah
1: so new york versus atlanta man we all picked this one wrong we'll go over our picks in a in a bit but I didn't see nearly as much of this game as I've wanted to, but I will give a shout out to, to Nate Brakely. Um You're insane. <laughs> um, this guy, uh, his work rate is, there is no player with a higher work rate uh, in, in Major League Rugby right now. He's, pl- he's giving you the work rate of a six at five. Uh, he goes up in the air, gets like eight line-out takes, on the ground, he goes to work. He last week he led the the. I'm pretty sure no. In the first week, he didn't lead the league in break in, in breakdown arrivals. But last week, he led the league with 47 breakdown arrivals, uh, 40 on 40 on attack and seven on defense. This week, he had 50 attack breakdown rivals and 10 defensive breakdown rivals. Basically, I think that means he hits. One of every two rucks, or one of every one and a half rucks. It's yeah, more remember? than
2: that, yeah. It's a more lot. Than I've had, man. Amen. That, a well, lot. When you're from the Massachusetts North Shore, you put in that work. But, you know, big shout out to you, Nate. Even though you're from uh, Marblehead. Marblehead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speaking Massachusetts language right now. My my, my fellow Massholes might. Understand a modicum of, of of what I'm saying, but um, from
0: you he said Dunkin'
3: Donuts is the key to his Ruck arrival rate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have just you know pl- plenty of Dunkin' Donuts bagels, coffee. You know, definitely iced coffee. You know, dead of All winter, right. it's it, oh. it's a tradition. But uh, you know, like you, Aaron, I thought this was a pretty entertaining game to watch. I think both of these teams they have some uh, they have really great pieces in the scrum. Yes, when you consider guys like Fostet, uh, ba- Bastro, um, you know, Brankly. But also looking on the outsides, guys like ATL's Wheeler, New York's Wallace Sims, and Cahill Marsh, uh, they seem uh, Cahill Marsh and uh, Wallace Sims, by the way, they seem to have an even better connection, um, you know, here in year two than they had in year one. Um, they hooked up for a try this past week uh, for, versus ATL uh, on the outside. I think it was Cahill Marsh who actually put it down, or no, no, it was Cahill Marsh getting the pass out to Wallace Sims, who was able who was able to put it down in the corner, I believe. Um, anyway, uh, uh, what- you mean um. Ben Foden, what was it, ben? ben? Foden, Foden had Foden. a dive in the corner. Yeah, yeah. All right, yes, yeah, so, but uh, but yeah, but I, I believe it was Cahill Marsh to Wallace Sims. Well, mm-hmm. Wallace Sims had the run um, before before the try. Uh, so like so, like, that well, ball went off, up
1: either J D or Ben Foden because yeah. the, the try scores for because it wasn't the tr- it wasn't the score to Marco Keefe that was uh, that was the I mean, faucet uh, match that was the mustard guy. A guy who um, puts on, on meat that he chops uh, for <laughs> sandwiches um, for his wife.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, ATL, Um, I think they put up some great shows on defense the last three weeks. But this scrum definitely needs improvement more than their back line, I would say. Whereas I said, like they have guys like, we- uh, like, uh, like Wheeler in the background who can gain meters really quickly with the ball in hand. Still, when they weren't ripping gaps for big plays, I felt like ATL was a little bit shallow in some of their line work, which Rooney was able to expose really well with their defense coming up on, uh, you know, coming up on that line to smother the ball play. That, along with some good old uh, ill time penalties by ATL, just really put them off kilter when it mattered in the second half. Um, but honestly, I'm going to be really interested to see how these two stack up when we're talking about potential playoff teams in a few weeks, because mm. neither one of these squads you want to say is like the, has the potential to be a losing team at the end of the year. Although I think one team is more likely than the other in that regard.
1: It, it, both what, I mean, the East right now uh, credit to Craig for the beginning of the year going, the East, you know, the East is just so hard to, it's going to be hard to pick. It's going to be more fun to watch because there's gonna be good teams. And the reality is, is all of the expansion teams can play some ball, you all play some footy, you know, and uh, we, I know pretty much everyone picked sort of uh, Atlanta on on our show at least and I know some of the the other pundits out there did not uh, and they they had some faith in in New York I don't really know how but i, I we thought it was gonna be pretty close. Uh, we just figured the home team would would get the edge and especially given the way injuries were but uh you know some some roster moves. Yeah, we didn't know they had Honko when we made those We didn't know they had Honko, and we didn't know they had Charlie Hewitt. Charlie Hewitt spent all last year on – we don't really have a disabled list, but he spent – he tore his ACL in the preseason last year and did not get to play uh, last season for Houston. And for whatever reason, he he was re-signed, and he was now acquired by New York. And, you know, I was talking to Greg about Charlie Hewitt because I'm I'm a really big fan of his. He's a very good – I mean, they say he's like a great young man, but I think he's like 25 now. It's been it's been a while, you know. It's since I spent some time in in Houston talking to those boys before their first season. But the dude's like six nine. I know he's listed six eight, but he's a massive dude, and he's a good character guy. Can you know carry hard and comes from a good pedigree. Played at Cardiff Met and. Uh, also played for the Wooster Warriors and played in the Premiership. So, uh, if you get that kind of quality of a lock in the MLR and he's healthy and he's young, he's going to be pretty good. And he did that. And, and I would say, is like I was talking to Craig while he was watching the game. I was like, how about my man, Charlie Hewitt? And Charlie Hewitt, if you take away Nate Brakely's uh, work rate, because Nate Brakely outworked every lock by double in the league this weekend. Uh, he had a really good game, over twenty ruck arrivals, um, some line out takes, some good carries, some solid tackles. And this is a guy that probably practiced like two days with the team. So good good acquisition um on New York's part, uh to shore up their depth. I mean, when you can get that kind of guy, uh, and same with Hanko Hamish. we just Hanko didn't start, so I'm not really singing his praises. But if you if you know who Hanko is, I mean he's the, the
2: ceiling him. on him is very high in terms He's of what he could him. potentially do. But He's at the same him. time, last year wasn't that big of a year for him. Um, He spent he spent some time with injury. It, was not, you know, it hasn't been really since year one, since his time with the former Gilgronies, the Austin Elite, uh, where he was really one of the elite players of MLR. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Look, I think this was New York's best game of the year. I, I think that's evident. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people that you kind of expect to do big things that never really stood out had good games. I thought an attack, at least Foden, played very well. Um, Basta uh, definitely had his best game. He was attacking from the back of the scrum, uh, took a couple of free kicks and just the uh, at least one where he just picked and ran, and he carried defenders for some 20 meters. Um, yeah, but he took that.
2: 20 minutes to get up right after it. <laughs> well,
3: you know, you give and you take – um, so, I mean, this, this was, a, this was a very good game for New York. You know, it's the third game under the new coach, Greg Williams attack coach for USA. So, uh, you yeah, know, hopefully this is a sign of things to come, uh, for them. I, I still, I'm very high in Atlanta. I think they're a very strong team. I'd say when, when, um, Kurt Coleman kicks high balls, they, they go so high. It makes me think of like, when uh, the Cowboys opened their stadium in Dallas and people were afraid the kicks were going to hit the scoreboard over the center. like He kicks it, and I feel like the forwards start walking like it's time off because the ball's going to be in the air so long. Um, so, I mean, I, there, his boot was very effective, I thought, for them, and uh, he, he did as much as he could do uh, with the boot to keep Atlanta with the pressure on New York, but New York just played a great game.
1: Yeah, uh, you're starting to see like some of the attacking prowess in the, in this game. I, you know, friend of the show, uh, he was Gordon Hanlon was pointing out this out, it, and the new attack I think for New York that's being installed is starting to take a lot of shape. And we're going to see them do some fun, more funder more fun things, more rapid tempo type stuff uh, going forward. It's just once they get bedded in on that, they will be. They will be pretty good, uh, but uh, you know, that makes this week's pick uh very interesting for them. Moving on to the nightcap or afternoon cap, depending on what part of the country you were in, uh, San Diego versus New England. This was this was an exciting game, <laughs>
3: it was. It was that, that moment when New England took the lead, it lasted like 36 seconds, but
2: I yeah, like- they, and they, they were they were uh interviewing Do- Donald Brighouse. Uh, like right as it was happening, so you kind of had to like listen to Stacy Pate's commentary during the try. Yeah,
3: I think I'd started to draft my article for the morning, and I was sitting there, and it was on the background, and I looked up, I was like, "I'll be damned, We're winning! with <laughs> that!"
2: Yeah, that was, that was about my reaction too, man. Although yeah. I I always believed in the boys. I believe I believe was I, San Diego's reaction too. Like,
3: <laughs> I'll be damned. We're
2: down. We we, might we start.
3: <laughs> Is that the anyway, first episode of the year? I wonder. For San Diego, they've been losing at all at any point.
2: Um, not that I can consciously remember. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but um, so needless to say, for me on this game, not the results I or many others were looking for. Are still, you know, as as you were kind of implying there, you know, plenty of silver lot linings to find within it. Um, first of all, being the fact that the depth of the squad got truly tested that night. And despite the end results of the match, he had to consider it a success when you look at just how close the Jacks were to actually winning this one had it not been for the Devro Ferris try there uh, almost immediately following Sean McNulty's absolute freight train of them all by the Jacks. Um, the new England defense easily could have put up some of their own points to pull away with the momentum that they had uh, along with killing some clock clock while they were at it. Unfortunately, there was that last scrum, um, you know, it was, it was a put in by the Jacks, the great, great engagement by the uh, Legion was able to push them back. Oliver Ankelhart, of course, unfortunately couldn't uh, recover the ball quick enough. That resulted in a knock-on and penalty uh, to the Legion. And that's when uh, Burton was able to get those final three points to put it out of reach. Um, penalties absolutely killed the Jackson. This one, 12 compared to just seven from the Legion. Uh, instance, and along with instances of what Coach Smith actually called hero ball, which... Love. I, I, I love hearing a Bostonian like him use use that term. Just just playing hero ball. Hey, okay, sometimes um, you gotta play hero ball to win. Yeah, but the thing is, though, that when we were playing hero ball, it, it was some pretty errant passes that were not going our way, and happened multiple times. It, eventually, you need to p- play a bit more of a conservative game and just keep that possession. Um, they, they're playing it, Hawkeye. They it, 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 the it, yeah, it just sucked because there was a lot of good stuff in between it, including some great runs from people like Danny Collins. Mitch Wilson was still putting in work like he's been doing the last few weeks. Um, you know, w- when it came to numbers in this one, San Diego, they were they're averaging now 37 points a game. Um, that's ahead of uh Toronto and then New England. New England is av- averaging around 29. Uh, definitely good news. If when you, when you look at, you know, last week, a bunch of teams only scored 22. I think it was like four different teams have, have, all had the same scoreline. Anyway, on the ground, San Diego, they outpaced the Jacks by over a hundred meters. Legion with an a- average MPP of 6.9 compared to 5.5 from the Jacks, which is around leak average, but obviously kind of dwarfed in comparison to what San Diego was able to put up. Um, another big factor, you know, already kind of said this as well with the penalties, New England's turnovers in the game just a bad day in overall especially in the lineout. atl was able to get four steals when it came to, uh, came to the throw in so not a great not a great day for mcnulty um which is also a shame when you look at how well he did with the ball in hand actually um you know still i think once you get guys get like you know leader um you know uh, you know kensuke hadakiyama but Bo- Bo- bodine waka liam Steele, tony papura once those guys are healthy and back in the lineup, I think this is going to look like a much different team. The depth is going to look even better than it did uh, against San Diego.
1: It's a, it was an interesting game for to to see what. Basically, was a limping New England team go in and play uh, San Diego very tough. I'm not going to say they look bored, but at times they they just failed to cycle effectively on defense. But then I was trying to think about this. I for some reason or ever I thought their their aerial attack was really bad. And then I you look at the stats; they had four lineout steals and no line-out steals conceded, and they just played a really tough game. And one of the things they did on defense is they tended to shepherd uh, the ball carriers a lot well, a lot better. Uh, Probably some of the best, like, sort of – limiting meters that a wing or a center could make. We we saw in this game, they didn't, they play with some of the crazy physical intensity that we saw them play with last year and in, insanely really, um you know, very disciplined for them. But one of the things I wanted to talk about in this game was Devereaux Ferris, you know, uh, signed as the backup nine. Uh, we saw him not get on the field in season one. Uh, for San Diego and he wasn't on the on the roster last year. He was playing with Life West. And you know, Nick Boyer ended up playing on the wing, but in season one, Nick Boyer was the guy to push Nate Augsburger um, out to the wing and he sort of had that on but guess what happened in this game is like Nate Augsburger, uh, I think it was a foot injury he was put in a boot pretty early I'm pretty sure his his injury was minor and, and he won't be out that long although it looked pretty bad and he was carted off the field Uh but they had even with the change at scrum half pretty early they had the Fastest ruck speed of any team in the league. They were sixty-seven percent this weekend, and if you can do that with your backup scrum half, and you can hold the opposition to only a thirty-eight uh, percent at quick ruck rate, you're going to be able to do some things, and you're going to win. Uh, they they just play better defense at times, but it wasn't really about um. You know what they did with the ball in the kicking game like New England I thought it was more about where how much they made them pay and how they did their exits because they both did their exits pretty well but it wasn't the best from New England and you know you just had some some game breaking Savanaka Toto Vasau Luke Burton uh some wooching man he uh he did something Uh, He, on that crazy line break, he finds Devereaux Ferris on his shoulder and there's a try. And then, you know, right when you're expecting this thing to probably, you're you're looking to see a good exit or new England to come out of their, their half, but they end up not. And they give, uh, they give San Diego that line out and then ball goes out to Wooching. you sort of see Ferris just pick on his shoulder and just run that perfect line through the New England defense, which was you know it was it, it parted like the Red Sea. Come on, transition. One of the biggest things that teams struggle with as uh, Blaine Scully would say is, is transition. It's one of the toughest things for a team to coach. On, I I think transition coaches are probably going to become a thing, sort of like special team coaches are in the NFL. Um, But, yeah, uh, you're just seeing even – because if we look at the roster for Diego at tight head, they're doing pretty good. But Nathan Sylvia had to come in and play pretty hard. And then Jamie Deaver uh, also played pretty hard for them. But, Full forty
2: minutes for Jamie Deaver, which I thought was pretty surprising. Came in right, right at the outset of the yeah. uh, second and, half.
1: You know, but the you know you had we lost. Uh, I wouldn't say we, but they had to give uh, Faka Osi Pifoletti, uh, from what I understand, bereavement leave. He's with the entire like the the Pifaleti's are like close blood relation to the Vunapolas, and so they're all in Tonga. Uh, you know, taking care of some family issues right now, and but uh, you know, it, it was it was a good game from the Free Jacks. Could have been a little bit better from San Diego, but what it tells me and what the past couple of games have said to us about the Free Jacks is they're you know pretty good side in a very packed Eastern Conference.
2: You're well, um, here. We will be coming for the playoffs. Mark my, my words. Of course, the,
1: the, the guy who works for New England, um, you know, he's happy
2: about it. But looking at a pick from pay, last paychecks week. Paychecks can buy my loyalty, but so can my birthplace, all right?
1: <laughs> um, looking at our picks from last week, uh, pick the gold by seven. So uh, if you need a lotto of numbers, uh, at least I'll, you know, I'm, I got one of them right. You'll try. Uh, game two, uh, Utah versus the Aggs. Uh yeah, missed that one. That was in Utah by 12. Pretty sure you did not pick a draw. I would need to go back and listen to that. <laughs> <shoot>. <laughs> no, I picked a draw. But <laughs>
3: it's the you didn't pick it on
1: Super Brew. I can tell no you that.
3: No, nah, of course I didn't pick a draw. I
1: picked Utah uh, as I did on Super Brew. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of people got that one wrong. Uh, game three, Old Glory at Houston. I, you know, I took the Cats by three, which I guess is actually – I should have picked Old Glory because, you know, Cats by th- the home team by three is actually favoring the visitors, but I didn't think it was going to be that big of a, a loss. Jeez. Um, so I got that one wrong. Craig got that one wrong. Um, I did get that one right on Super Brew, though. I
3: changed. Game, my, I, changed game
2: my I got the one spoon on Super Brew this week. It, it, was, four, it was not good.
1: Toronto at Seattle. I picked Toronto minus four um i toronto have, yeah missed a bunch of points that we could have had by not picking toronto by 20 Jeez. Mm-hmm. um game five new york at atlanta uh we all picked atlanta by a converted try um and uh you know uh new york has got a little bit healthier got some <laughs> more reinforcements uh not just uh you know the lock and the in the back row, they got James Rockford back in and uh, Patty Ryan is back fit. So uh, uh, that should have been the telltale sign, I guess. But uh, game six, New England at San Diego. I picked uh, the Legion by 14. Yeah,
3: and- I picked the Legion. But- I don't remember. What the- I should have wrote down the uh, margins I didn't. But, yeah, I picked the Legion by something. Probably the exact right number if I had to guess. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I did not pick the Legion.
3: <laughs> I'll write them down this week so we uh, we have exact records
1: for next week. Uh, moving on to game three, week three, pre- week four preview. Uh, game one, four p.m. Eastern, San Diego at the Gold. What do you
2: guys got? So I'm going San Diego minus eight. I think Nola is looking like a great team right now. They're you know they're operating pretty consistently. Uh, pretty consistently through both offensive and defensive phases, but uh, at, at the end of the, at the end of the day, I think this is a much uh, for San Diego. They're a much more high scoring offense, um, which I think is going to be the thing that puts them over the top. Whereas I think Nola, you know, tends to just move the ball more, you know, methodically at times. I, I don't. They have, they haven't been particularly high scoring this season so far.
3: I. uh I'm gonna stick with my theme of the East and uh, pick up probably an un, unpopular opinion here. I'm gonna take Noah. I think, you know, traveling for San Diego, um, it's always tough to go across the country like this. I think Noah's getting back some key players like we discussed before, and I, I just think, you know, Noah Noah's. Needs this win, and they, they need to win these games against the Western teams because the East is so competitive. Where San Diego is probably starting to feel like they can take the uh, foot off the gas a little bit. I
1: just think it's—I I have a feeling it's set
3: up for a Nola surprise win.
1: Moving on to Game Three, Saturday at six PM Eastern, Utah Warriors at Colorado. Uh, or did, wait, did I not pick uh, Old Glory? I said Old Glory by five. Wait, no, we didn't do game two. Jeez, I'm horrible. Uh, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern also, Old Glory travels to Austin um, where they play the Ags. Uh, I've got Old Glory minus five.
2: And I'm going to go Old Glory minus 11. I think they're going double digits, baby. Um, I'm splitting you guys right down the middle, Old Glory minus eight. Um,
1: Game three, 6 p.m. Eastern, Utah Warriors at Colorado.
2: Give me Utah minus three. Uh, I'm going to copycat Aaron on this one. Uh, Utah minus three.
3: Ooh. All right. I'm breaking from the mold again here. I think Colorado get their first win this week. Uh, i want going to say Colorado by five.
2: So you're, you're, you're giving Utah less credit than we are. Correct. Wow, that's
1: impressive. Uh, game four, Saturday, 10 PM. Uh, what type of potato are you giving, uh, this pick? you got to come up with it. Um,
2: I'm going to give them, uh, you know, a a, a potato baked in New England clam chowder, man. You know,
1: what what else do you expect? I might. They've had some tough opponents, and Seattle's on their heels. Uh, I I think this is the perfect time where Seattle, they're against the wall. They have to get a win. But I – I don't know, man. I, I reserve uh, when I see the lineup. I'm probably going to change this, but right now, I might like the free jacks by one point.
2: Yeah, baby.
3: Oh, there you go. All right, now I'm going to go. I'm going to change my mind and no longer support the East. Now that I'm sorry. Aaron, Aaron has sorry. jumped my uh, I'm sorry my claim. I'm, I'm I I agree though. I think that we really need to see this lineup because. It, who, who you know? New England's missing big three are back is going to be a big difference maker. But right now, I'm, I'm in my head. I'm assuming the same lineup as week three, and based on that, I'm going to say Seattle by seven.
1: Yeah. Uh, moving on to game five, Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern, Toronto at Atlanta. I, you know, I'm just. Uh, Craig, you're being weird because that, that I makes no sense. Uh, he's going to make or break me for the year this week. You, uh, you know. You're
2: you're either aiming I for the wooden see, spoon or the champion. I can see Atlanta
1: coming out on top in this because uh, Scott Lawrence has a good attacking structure. But. I
3: mean, how uh, many weeks
1: of travel
3: can Toronto bear? I mean, it's got to be so exhausting. I mean, five I, I weeks mean, in a row for the Jacks. They play. haven't
1: had to deal with the injury bug. Uh, so far that that much I mean yeah they had I think five players out but yeah the they have players some, that, they the they players have that went into the lineup just you know they did work I think they've actually got depth uh Shepard she out
3: this week right yeah he's
1: out they might even have some squad rotation going on uh I you know I think I'm gonna say Toronto' is gonna continue the streak you gotta respect the streak Toronto
2: minus five. Uh, I will be respecting the streak as well. Toronto minus four. As long as you got Dan Moore on the squad, I will probably be choosing in their favor. Unless, of course, they're playing the Free Jacks. In which case, Uh, Potato. (laughs) Another tough one to pick. Uh, This
3: is a great week, but uh, last time they went south to Houston, they barely escaped. I think Atlanta is a little tougher than Houston, so I'm going to give this to
1: Atlanta by three. Uh, They've gone south. Ever every single place they go except Seattle. No, Seattle's not South and Austin it's, it's is like not lateral.
3: lateral. Austin is like lateral caliber is Houston and Atlanta. <laughs>
1: uh, game six, six PM um for the for the cap on the weekend is New York at Houston. Uh you know, Houston just didn't give me enough. They, they they sputtered completely in the second half. I know that feeling. Um, and it was it was rough. I you can't. Uh, it, it's gonna. It's gonna. No, it's. Uh, they need to fix some stuff. They they need to fix some stuff uh, before we can and, and they can use New York as the proving ground. But I don't see them fixing it this week they might fix some things but i still think they lose uh going new york on on this one um, minus
2: 5 uh i'm going to go houston minus 5 on my end i just think uh you know houston z- seems to be operating a little bit uh you know a little, a little bit more physically and i think that's exactly what you need to kind of crack that new york defense i mean you think you pu- need to put them on the back foot and uh, i think yeah you know houston with pieces like Malachi Esdale, Osea Kalinasau playing, um, whether Zach Pangolina makes his way back to the roster remains to be seen. Karen Farmer stepping into his starter position. He did reasonably well. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they they do have the pieces that really challenges uh, this New York team.
3: Yeah, I mean, they certainly have the pieces to challenge it. Definitely could see it going either way. I mean, I am going to back uh, the Roosters this time. I think, you know, it's of to tell early, but the uh, few games with the new coach, I think they're really starting to to click as a attacking unit. So I'm going to bet on that going another week and say New York by
1: eight. Um, so moving on to questions, uh, you know, I, I guess one of the questions from um, Grant Cole was, when does Rattle get their Harleys out of the shop? Uh, well, I mean – they were out of the shop in the first week. Uh, we saw the what Har, Harley Wheeler could do a little bit. Uh, but, uh, and then he said, uh, how long do we start seeing Mick Burns stamp on the Gil Gronies? I, hmm. I think we're seeing it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're seeing things get better. But, I mean, uh, they had their best result
3: in a year plus this week.
1: So, so uh, there's that for questions, uh, will uh, let's see old glory scrums. Can they drive or hold? I think right now they can hold.
2: They can hold this. The beast is kind of like a big cement pillar, you know, just drilled into the ground with some bolts right there, supporting it on the way. Not to say that there aren't talented pieces in that scrum along with them, but you know, if, if, just minus beast produced the performance that we saw in week 1 that that's still pretty concerning to me
3: yeah i mean we haven't i don't think we've seen that i don't think they've proven that they could even hold in my opinion but i do think the trend line is very favorable and it makes sense because they do have a tremendous international prop show up uh that has probably a lot of lessons to teach so i i suspect by next week will i will be comfortable saying they can hold but uh i don't think i've
1: seen it yet Here's a sevens question. Um, I guess it's sevens this week. Wow, um, that that got up here real fit, quick. You know, LA sevens is this weekend. Uh, what are our predictions for most points and most tries? Uh, you know, who will be the first to get two hundred? Speed Stick or Carlin Isles? Uh, you know, you want to see a home win, and because of the fr- format uh, allows the whole setup because it's a men's only tournament uh you know I'd say the if we're not in the semifinals it's disappointing I think who do you guys think gets 200 tries first or do Carlin
2: yeah I agree Carlin I think if, I, I, he, he gets he gets utilized a lot more i I feel like he's you know i think um, that
1: they both get 200 this weekend though 'Cause they're both I think one's at one eighty nine or one ninety nine and one's at one ninety eight.
2: So I wouldn't doubt it, but I feel like I see you see Carlin on the field first more often though. So Yeah. I think I feel like it you know, this has varied over
3: time, but I feel like last season and a half maybe Carlin has uh regained the the top try scorer mantle on that team. Yeah.
1: Um, so there's that. We had a bunch of questions come in on Facebook. Uh, just so I like answering these, uh, especially since y'all are coming on and watching the show directly. Uh, give me one second. Uh, but yeah, sevens is going to be interesting. That means there's going to be more rugby for you know us to watch in in this. Uh, environment uh and by that i mean i, I hope i don't get shot or stabbed <laughs> or anything uh i guess uh no we don't have any pro- math matthew Shetwick. i know I, I butchered that one uh we don't have a rundown of team-based promotions like that running like i guess bobbleheads and stuff also although there are like family four packs or pick or partial season ticket packages out there that you can check out with your local team.
2: Um, Rob Hammer. Single game tickets for the New England Free Jacks just went on sale. So you guys should definitely get those as um, well.
1: Rob Hammerschmidt asks, uh, you know, cause the MLR put up the top 10 category stats right now there, the engine is back up. So you can see that, uh, you know, which stats seemed to be the key success after three weeks, uh, you know it's uh set piece effect
2: uh, efficiency. I the rock.
1: You know, starting to see set like set piece efficiency is always important, and then ruck speed is becoming a really important factor in this season so far. Uh, penalties is always because we're seeing some of these teams have a lot of penalties. So, you know, uh, I would say they're all um, important, but scrums,
2: uh, lineouts, yeah. A- A- MPP in relation to territory rate as well. Um, I don't think you can find that one on the MLR website
1: though. No. So Scott Ferreira, the big, guy, uh, from the big group, guy from the United supporters group asked, what is the MLR broadcasting situation as it pertains to international fans? Heard some complaints the past three weeks. Well, Everything is available on Facebook Live for international fans and then on Rugby Pass there are select games that are re-aired. I know that the New York versus Atlanta game for there was an error and it did not go out on Facebook Live. Uh, not I don't I just know there was an error. I don't really know what it was. Um John Hawkins asks, "How are the attendance numbers? Is there any indication how broadcasts are doing right now. There's, there's no indication on how broadcasts are doing, but I would say it's better. Um Attendance looks we, good on TV. Attend, yeah. Attendance is looking <laughs> good uh, overall, except for the Vegas stuff, you know, uh, uh, everyone else like it, Glendale opened up and they had, you know, over 2,500 people at their game. So it DC was really
3: had packed. Atlanta was packed for their opener.
2: New England uh, is going yeah. to be packed for uh, the for the first St. Patrick's Day weekend <laughs> against the Sabre Cats.
1: Keep, te- keep selling you people.
2: Uh, no, we'll, 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 you know, here's the thing. That, at, at this point, like, it is a given just in terms San of ticket Diego, sales. Yeah. San, San Diego, Cole, that would be
1: good. Cole. San Diego looked pretty good, but they have the largest stadium. Uh, well, they have the largest stadium in the league right now. Yeah, because – Nola hasn't opened up extra seats yet in their configuration because Nola could have the largest stadium in the league if they wanted. Uh, they could have like eight thousand seats, but uh san Diego Aviva
2: has the has the largest stadium, quote unquote in <laughs> terms of land,
1: yeah, you know. but so uh, san Diego has a thousand san Diego's a thousand more seats than. Uh, you know what is it? Zion's Bank Stadium, which is five thousand. So, uh, it still looked it looked pretty good. I mean, they're they're three and zero. I'm gonna best it's gonna get hard to get a ticket pretty soon, and they'll, you know, crest over four thousand pretty fast. Um, Steve Green, how has the refereeing looked so far this season? You know, fine. It's it's good. It's it's been pretty decent. It's been I think it's been good. Yeah. I can't. I don't really have. A lot of complaints. Like in the moment, I might have complaints because I see one call go one way and I see another call go another way, and it's kind of annoying. But overall, it's—I th- I think it's pro- officiating is also progressing. It hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been a game so far as as there were some games last year where I was just, Ugh. you know, um, it was pretty rough uh and then the last one on how much lawrence weisel asked us how much crow we're going to eat on old glory i guess we ate a lot um what should the league do in order to continue to grow uh just keep investing in the product uh, invest in off the field structures and marketing and stuff like that it's we're making progress we are
2: Get an um, MLR app. Get the – or sorry, finish the MLR app. That, yeah. Uh, Put so everybody no.
1: on ESPN Plus and be done with it. So Doug Coyle asks, uh which coach is getting the most out of their team? Josh um,
2: Smith, baby. Scott Lawrence.
1: Uh, I would say right now Josh Smith and Scott Lawrence are pretty good shots. For that. Uh, I I don't think – I think by season's end, the coach that will get, the two coaches that will get the most out of their team are going to be Rob Hoadley and Chris Silverthorne. That's what I think. Uh, those the uh, two is teams? Rob
2: Hoadley really getting like the yeah. most? Because I, I hear really, like <laughs> not, not that he's a bad coach, but like you know,
1: Mom,
3: you have up, two like, blacks the do. team. Like no, I, is
2: it I two think, or I don't even know. I think
1: that they point. will beat some teams like a drum. Um, and and more so like like a drum this year, and it, and part of that is because of talent, and the other part of that is because he's an insane defense coach, and he does things. Um, then uh, Jeff Kennett uh, YouTube numbers for San Diego replays are kind of shocking high compared to the rest of the league. The No New Effect, uh, probably the YouTube number, the replay numbers on both YouTube and Facebook have been very good this season in a much greater way than the first two seasons were. And I think that's partially because of notoriety. And I think that's partially because of the players that we're bringing in like Matthew Basterode, uh, the beast, no um, And so, like Halai, like some of these other names, I think stability in the league is creating more interest for people to watch the games. And they're watching these games and they're saying, Hey, you know, it's a uh, pretty good, pretty good rugger. Uh,
2: You're also bringing in fan bases from around the world who, even if they're not following, uh, you know, MLR Wicked closely, they're they're still intrigued by it just because there's, there, there's these names who they're yeah, familiar with coming over here. And obviously, you know, America is the fabled sleeping giant. It is kind of like a novelty of sorts, you know, or, you know, in the mysterious aspects of, what the American rugby market could be. So I think that kind of drives a lot of the interest overseas, especially.
1: Final question from Doug Coyle Was Seattle selling out their venue? Should they look for a larger venue? Uh, I mean, they need to take a lot of data. I thought after season one that they were going to work very hard, and they probably have worked very hard, and maybe Starfire hasn't been. Uh, well, Christian, they're going to need to look for a larger venue. Stop saying no. I don't know I, mean, if they, I don't know if I agree with that. I think
3: I think there's a lot of things that go into venue success and their venue clearly is very successful. And I'm not sure I'd want to tamper with that unless there was a really compelling reason. Well, I, I, the only, the only way, the way I'd want to tamper so, with it
2: is if they had one of those floating rugby pitches, you know, like the, 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 that you see kind of like off the coast of beaches sometimes. So if you run into touch, you're just running out right out into the water. That is you, what will so, make yeah, a brother's like you know, like game. Like,
1: <laughs> so Starfire is a 3,500 seat venue. And then you can add about like 500 uh, standing room only, uh, seats. And, and that is, that makes sense. So, so one of the things that we're start we're still not seeing is, uh, the, cause one of their partners is StubHub is that people who are putting, uh, tickets onto StubHub, they're just going for face value. So that is, that is an important analytics tool to look at, but they're still selling out. So,
3: they could raise the face value by five bucks. Well, well, I,
1: I don't, th- I don't, I don't think that they're still selling out. So I think that's important to look at. But the you Christian does make a point when you look at the analytics. You need to figure out, although that there is a market and they're selling out their small venue, you need to look at it. Is there going to be such demand that you can you can jump to a venue? that seats 10,000 because there's the 3,500 seat at Starfire. So if you, if the data supports you going, you being able to sell 7,000 tickets, you can jump and look for that higher venue. So it's a, it's a long-term process and you can't just. And
3: and the cost of that venue has to be less than the additional ticket sales. I mean, so. in a bigger venue, but it costs you so much more money
1: that it eats up
3: the yeah. sales.
1: I would say look, but the the data has to make sense. And if they're not going to double the attendance by moving to a, a ten thousand, because I don't think there's really that much wiggle room in sizes of venue in Seattle, uh, that you just stay where you're at and make it the hottest ticket in town over time. And then you're going to be able to move into that 10,000 seat venue and you'll sell your 7,000 tickets. But if you're not going to be able to double your attendance, then you, you don't. Um, so that is important. That data is important, but they are selling out. And I think over time they can make a solution. Although that is a question that gets posed all the time, uh, in the Seattle's groups and, uh, on Twitter is like, when are they going to expand Starfire? I think it's possible for a long-term solution there. there, It is possible because I've been there. I've seen it. But that takes investment by Starfire, which is I believe is a non-profit entity. And if the Seawolves spend money to upgrade that other side, then they're going to want a piece of that, right? So to make that money back. So there's a lot of business things to look into, but uh, if the if the secondary market gives you tickets at at or below face value, then the demand to jump to a venue three times the size isn't necessarily there yet. But it's probably going to get there sooner than later. Just I don't think it's next year. Maybe work on maybe work with Starfire to increase your standing room only access um, and stuff like that. I think you could probably get a longer term solution at Starfire before you have to make the massive jump to a 10 to 15,000 seat stadium. Uh, you know, some teams got lucky in that their venues were, you know 5,000, and that was just the venue that they had so i think that's it seven thousand seating baseball stadiums yeah there's that all right so uh that's it for this week guys it was a long show uh six games i think there's five games two weeks from now so that should help indeed um yeah uh thanks everyone for tuning into the show you can catch us on podcast on wednesday mornings if you happen to uh not me uh, on live, so we just miss our voices after a couple days. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. That and then you can ridicule me in the private messages or something.
2: <laughs> Indeed. So I think it's about that time where we roll Corey's voice with all of that legal mumbo jumbo. Corey,
0: on our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.